Don't cross the river if you can't swim the tide. Our new house was really cool, especially when it rained hard. Each of the thousands of expensive tiles on our roof and the tiles on the verandas that faced in different directions, they played a kind of classical music depending on what the wind was doing. Lightning always signaled that the big bass drum was next. At times, tropical raindrops came so fast and furious, it was like an orchestra of thousands playing as one. It rained for weeks. Everything became so tedious, stuck indoors, day after day after day. My sheets smelled funny. The road washed out so many times that the bus service from Acapulco had ceased. Food stocks in town were dangerously low, and just when it seemed like it could get no wetter, we experienced yet another big storm. The winds were fierce as rain fell relentlessly, and the rivers swelled and the bridges collapsed. Siwatanejo was blanketed in misery once again. I had just pitched my father an idea for an ad campaign to increase tourism in Siwatanejo. C-S-I. C-S-E-E, Siwatanejo, was my idea. Si, si, Siwatanejo. This would obviously attract tourists like moss to the light. I was worried that this place would never be discovered. It was a great place, but people just didn't know about it. I was depressed by the daunting task of turning Siwatanejo into an actual tourist resort. You can imagine my surprise some 35 years later when I saw the final scene of the film uh, Shawshank Redemption. Homes were falling into the river. The doctor's office became a makeshift hospital. We had no power, no purified water. We had to resort to purification pills and boiling water over an open fire. Most of the boats in the bay had been destroyed. Hurricane force winds had blown mountains of debris onto the beaches. And as usual, I was doing the translating. But the maid no longer came. She was too embarrassed. She couldn't reach town to buy food to cook our meals. The river had become so angry that it washed out the remaining bridge, separating me from the last remaining jar of peanut butter. High up on the shelf there at the supermercado. I had seen it there. Crema de cacahuate. Banana. And honey and a warm bolillo. Oh man, that's what I craved. Days passed as we ate the last of our canned goods. The bakery's oven was too wet to light, but rumors persisted that the baker would try a limited bake soon. The ocean was too brown to shoot fish. The birds had flown away to escape the storm. Our kitchen was bare. I had reached my breaking point after a breakfast of soggy crackers and old cord flakes covered with sad tasting water and evaporated milk powder, my patience was no more. I'd heard from a friend that bolillos would be baked. Heated discussions followed. I laid out my mission. Dad was surprised at the daring nature of my plan. I would swim across the river with a soft backpack and return with peanut butter and bolillos? My dad had a more serious issue. He desperately needed his thyroid medicine. Back and forth we argued. 
Give it enough time, I can't be persuasive. And I had all day. Dad finally gave in. He stitched a plastic lining into the backpack and adjusted the straps to my back. And then he added a yellow nylon rope with a piece of wood attached. He told me that if I lost the backpack for any reason, I should throw the wood to him on shore. I assured him that would not be necessary. I was a strong ocean swimmer, but when we reached the river, I hesitated. All along the swollen banks on either side stood the townspeople. They were cursing the frothy brown water. The gods were angry was the refrain. I looked at my dad to let him know I would be fine. I waved to the folks on the other shore and then made my way into the river, putting on my flippers. The crowd erupted in cheers. I kept my head above water and I stroked hard. Once I reached the middle, I began to drift, so I dove down and closed my eyes. Several strong kicks later, I surfaced close to the muddy banks lined with onlookers. The men rushed to form a human chain, extending an arm in my direction which I was able to easily grab, and I was pulled up over the slippery mud to the cheers of all the well-wishers from both sides of the river. I waved to my father. See, I told you, my body language said. The town was deserted. Main Street was a shallow river. I went to the pharmacist first. I got out my list that I had secured uh, safely in the plastic bag. Nothing was really open in town, so I waited outside the supermercado's big metal door. The sun peeked through momentarily, and I heard a welcome sound. Soon I was inside, surveying the shelves, buying whatever I found. There was peanut butter and honey, but no fruit of any kind. I kept asking the shopkeeper to pull down that can and that can and that one too. I started loading up my pack. While he prepared the bill, a boy with a small basket on his head appeared from back of the store. His basket was filled with freshly baked bolillos. I was permitted a dozen, no more. I paid and left feeling giddy. I saw people running down the street toward the store. Word of the bolillos on offer was spreading fast. As I reached the river, I felt the weight of the cans. They seemed much heavier once I was closer to the water. The cheers from the crowd brought a smile to my face. I would make my dad admit that I had been right just this once. He waved to me, and I waved back. I was handed my flippers, and I checked out the yellow rope with the heavy piece of wood. The river seemed different now, angrier. The foam covered the surface. The weight on my back pressed my feet into the mud. I put on my flippers and I slid down the bank, falling backward into the water. And I saw an old lady make a sign of the cross. I flipped over and swam hard. I realized I was drifting downstream a bit already. I heard shouts from both sides of the river. I kicked and I stroked with all my might, but the added weight had become a big deal. I was working twice as hard just to swim a few feet. When I finally reached the middle, I realized I couldn't dive, not this time, not with this weight on my back. This return trip was very different. 
I began to tire, but I worked hard, keeping my eyes focused on the banks of the shore. My arms became rubbery. My big fins, well, they seemed smaller. (laughs) I heard screams and I looked upriver just in time to see a giant spinning log. I dove deep to avoid it. There in the dark brown water, I felt branches tear, rip the skin from my legs and my arms. The pain forced me to swim hard, fueled by the adrenaline. But I felt trapped. I felt like I was trapped under a big wave. Reaching the surface, I sucked in what felt like a quart of foam. Coughing hard, I remembered the yellow rope, but I couldn't locate it. I was steadily drifting downstream faster and faster. I kicked, I scratched with everything that I had left to try and make some much-needed progress. It was then that I saw a tree branch. I steered myself like a boat using my arm as the rudder and reached up to grab onto it, and then I hung on for dear life. The branch bent under my weight and the powerful current. I felt my father's hands grab me and pull me up and free. Two big guys had their arms around his waist, helping to anchor my father as he pulled me. Soon I was slipping and sliding across mud, and though it hurt a bit, I was pulled to safety at last. I was a good hundred yards down river from where I should have been. They had all followed me downstream, the crowd cheered. My father hugged the big Mexican men who had helped to rescue me. It pays to know your neighbors in a small town. I apologized for the yellow rope, and my dad looked scared. Roger, it was my mistake. I'm, I'm sorry. I should never have let you swim out there. He carried the backpack home for me, saying over and over again, What do you got, rocks in there? Back in the kitchen, he emptied the contents slowly, making a big show of it. I was proud. The bolillos were smashed, as were his pills, but it didn't matter. They would be smashed in our stomachs soon anyway. He tended to my cuts, which were not all that deep, except for the one on my calf. Freshly bandaged, I sat at the kitchen counter. The danger had passed. In a few more days, the storms would end too. But that look on my father's face, the look in my father's eyes that day, would stay with me for the rest of my life. He really did love me after all. The river's anger had brought that love into plain view. And I had proved that I would do what I said I would do. Perhaps I got a bit carried away with all the cans. You know, spaghetti and macaroni shells wrapped in plastic would have done nicely, but if I had to do it over again, I would not change a thing. I cherish the memory. The angry river may have tried to drown me, but I had the last word. For the first time in my life, I knew for certain that my father loved me. There wasn't much else for us to say. Next time I'll tell you about a night that I spent in a terrorist camp high, high up in the mountains of Guerrero.